Well, welcome everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, happy New Year. What a great way to start the new year. First day of the new year, what happened? That's right, the Buckeyes are headed to the national championship, right? All God's people said OH. If you didn't say IO, then you need to accept Jesus because God's people just knew what to do. So I'm excited about that and uh, thrilled. I'm thinking this, if 2015 started that good, it's just going to be a great, great year. So I'm thrilled about that. And we're going to be talking about this here this weekend. This is the State of the Church Address. And uh, if you've never been a part of the State of the Church Address, then what we do is once a year, uh, we kind of take a, a step aside from our normal routines and we talk together kind of as a church and look back on all that God did in the previous year, 2014, look ahead of where he's leading us and what we believe he's asking us to invest ourselves in into 2015 and just kind of celebrate his goodness and look forward to the vision that he's put in front of us. If you're our guest this weekend, um, this is going to be a little bit of a different weekend. We are going to start a new series next weekend called Less is More, which I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be a great way to uh, start the new year and kind of lock into some of the things that God has for you. So you're going to find that very, very uh, rich, I think. This weekend, if you're our guest, this is the, probably the best weekend of the year to get a glimpse into what Grace Church is like. So if you're kind of thinking through, uh, do I want to be a part of a church? Do I want to be a part of a church again? What are they doing nowadays? This is a great time to kind of look at Grace to see what we value and see what we get excited about and uh, kind of look behind the curtain a little bit. So take advantage of that. And uh, for the rest of us, we're going to um, talk through, like I said, what God has done and what he's taking us into and, and uh, very, very excited to have that conversation here. It has uh, been a great year. And by the way, uh, just so you know, this is your birthday. So 15 years ago today, the bath campus started. So happy birthday, everyone. And uh, if you ever wonder why, sometimes we're a little sporadic, a little moody, our emotions are up and down and all over the place. It's because we're 15. I mean, that is, you know, we're growing. So, uh, but it's, it's been a fun, fun ride. It was the first Sunday in the year 2000 that the Bath Campus of Grace Church opened, and it has been an incredible ride from there out. And 2014 is definitely kind of one of those banner years where we would look and say, God did some absolutely amazing things, and uh, we're thrilled and grateful for all the ways that he worked here. Just looking back a little bit, there's a few things that we would look at and say these were like kind of big goals, stuff we would have laid out in, the, in last year's Say the Church Address and uh, some big projects, some major milestones uh, that we really believe God was calling us to and things that were a part of our year that he allowed us to accomplish that we should remember and celebrate and give thanks to him for. Uh, one of our big goals in 2015 was to kind of reimagine and redefine the paradigm for uh, what we would call evangelism or sharing the gospel with the, the people around us. And that is a huge priority here at Grace Church. It has been, it will always be. And we wanted to rethink that together as a congregation. So if you remember, we laid out I Care Community. In an I Care Community, we prayed for 15,000 people uh, by name every day. Uh, we were looking to, to uh, advance or create relationships, to build connections with folks. And uh, ultimately, if God opened the door and gave us a no-brainer moment to share the good news of Jesus with them, and hundreds, thousands of us did that, and it was an awesome way to begin thinking differently about how do we share our lives and how do we tell folks about the good news of Jesus. Attached to that, we did a couple kind of 
uh, service projects that were fun. So you guys brought in 17,000 pairs of shoes and we donated them to uh, people across the world, which says several things about Grace Church. One is that you have an issue with shoes, just by the way. I just want you to know that you have too many shoes. Uh, but secondly, that you're generous and it was a, it was a great way Something that is, we all have an excess of, pretty much most of us have extra shoes, but things that actually truly bless people throughout the world. And so those shoes were shipped all over the world. Uh, we, are the, we gave the largest donation in the history of the organization that distributes those shoes. So congratulations on that. And those are going all over the place. Also connected with that, we did um, Feed My Starving Children. Uh, we shipped another 350,000 meals all over the world, packed them, shipped them all over the world. They're being distributed now. That's a famine relief uh, where we're feeding people, making sure that their very basic nutritional needs are met. So that generosity, it's fun to do. It's all a part of sharing the good news of Jesus with those closest to us than those that God gives us opportunity to literally all over the globe. So thanks for being a part of that. And that was a blast. And it was fun to, uh, to connect with and to do. We kind of started the year off that way in 2014. One of our big projects was uh, to get the extension open. And that's all the way back to the big little project a couple years ago when uh, we bought a building three miles down the road. And we said, boy, if we could buy that, renovate it, then we could hold Sunday services in it. So starting here in a few minutes, they'll start their first Sunday morning service over at the extension. So there's two here now and two over at the extension. And that was a big project and a big paradigm shift. So you guys committed the money uh, to do that. That building is now 100% done. The athletic fields will be done this spring and summer. We kind of have to wait for the mud to clear now. Uh, but the building is done and that building is renovated, came in on budget, came in 1% over budget. So if you know anything about building buildings, that is an act of God right there, that, uh, that that was able to happen. And we opened it in November and have started having services there. So Pastor Ezra led a launch team of about 150 uh, folks, and they organized and got children's ministries and youth ministries ready and everything that it takes to kind of make a weekend happen here at Grace. And then we prayed, our goal was that uh, about 500 of us would leave the Gent Road building and call the extension kind of their home on the weekend where they would attend services there. And that has worked. We've not been below 500 except for one week since we opened the extension there. And so we're thrilled about that. And what that has done is it's opened up all kinds of uh, uh, places where people can come and connect here at Grace. In fact, from the time the extension opened to the end of the year, our attendance went up 8%. And that's just because we were able, basically had room to get a seat or a place to get a parking spot. So thank you for doing that. That is working in a huge way. In fact, I'd say to you guys, if you have not tried the extension yet, Try to make it your goal, say between now and Easter, to, to try it one weekend and to check it out. You will wind up loving it and you'll wind up connecting there. So if you, if you like doing that, if you like seeing me taller, bigger, and in high definition, you're gonna love it over there. And uh, there's seats and there's parking and the music's a little bit quieter and we detail your car while you're in services. So all that, all that happens at the extension. But give it a shot, check it out one time. I think, I think you really like it. That also allows us to just basically put the pedal to the metal when it comes to inviting people, which we have just not been able to do for a long time because of space. 
So that's why we had 16 Christmas services. I were able to have eight in this building and eight over there, and it allowed a bunch more folks to come to our Christmas services than they were able to the last year. And of course, able to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus through that. So thank you for doing that. It's awesome and continue to check it out. And that was a huge goal. That's a paradigm shift and a big project, huge goal for 2014. And uh, that went super, super duper well. In addition to uh, all of the weekend services at the extension, the other thing that that facility is used for, kind of the other six days of the week is sports ministries. So uh, we were able to bring Pastor Donnie uh, Varney and his wife Becky and their family in from Wisconsin to join the staff. And uh, Donnie has begun to build the, the sports program for us. And we're very excited about that. Uh, we asked him to start with kids uh, sports programs. So he started with Upward Basketball. He's put together a great team of adult volunteers for that. And we have about 200 kids that are already involved in the upper basketball program. That's gonna launch kind of in earnest here the next week or two. And that program, what it does is it disciples children using the platform of sports to build relationships with. Very, very excited about it. In fact, every uh, Akron Public School elementary kid got a personal invitation to be a part of our upper basketball program. So we're already seeing folks from the community connect in, and it's a terrific way to build a relationship, terrific way for coaches to invest in students, and we're thrilled about that, and it's the beginning of that. So that building is going to run kind of seven days a week, uh, either playing sports or using weekend services. It's been a great investment. And for all of us who are adults, uh, kind of the adult side of those ministries is going to evolve now over time. We, we, like I said, we kind of specifically asked Donnie to start with that. And as that gets on its feet, then some of the other, all the other sports <coughs> ministry opportunities will come to, uh, to bear. So keep your eye out for that and, uh, and be a part of it. The other big goal for 2014 was to launch what we call connect groups. And uh, as we launch connect groups, what we're trying to do is make it easier to kind of get outside of just this room and get into deeper relationships with people. Because at Grace, we really believe that until you're sharing life with each other, you're not kind of taking advantage of all that the church has to offer. So we had life groups and still do and still want you to be a part of that. But we realized sometimes that's a big leap to go from here to life groups. So we created these connect groups, which are short-term based groups, oftentimes kind of revolving around an activity. And those have caught in a terrific way. Hundreds of you have gotten involved with those in the first time and they've kind of been a big hit. Our sports ministry is gonna work like that. Those sports ministries are places that you're gonna learn the Bible and pray together and be involved with each other's life and then kill each other on the basketball court. That's kind of the goal. And so they'll function as those connect groups. And we launched those and we had a great start. In fact, we are opening up a bunch more of them. If you got a program, you can take out this insert and you'll see kind of the new offering of connect groups. You'll see some of them are sports-based, activity-based, some of them are, are built around the subject. There's a ton of them there. And you can read through those, go out on the website, sign up for that and be a part of those. And it's a great first point. If you've kind of not done anything or for a long time haven't done anything outside of just coming to services, look into these. And they're kind of a low pressure way to connect. 
If you get together with the people and you love it, then terrific. If you get together with them and you're like, these are the worst people on the face of the earth, I can't believe I signed up for this, it's over in six weeks. So you get out of it, right? But give it a shot and um, work at that a little bit, connecting more and more with those. But those were a great launch and we we're excited about those and kind of believe that that's one of the, um, the big wins of 2014. There was a few other things that continue to grow that we're excited about. So our, our partnership with Moody Bible Institute has grown and grown deeper. Uh, we really wanted to be able to provide a Bible-based training for ministry here at Grace Church. So uh, Moody Bible Institute is now working with Grace Church. We're the only church in the country that they're working with this way in that you can get a full-blown liberal arts degree from Moody Bible Institute here at Grace Church. And if you are thinking about going into ministry as a vocation, even if you just say, I'd like to study a little bit and get a few classes here and there, maybe your work offers some reimbursement that you can get some training if you want to, that's what this program is for. And we're really thrilled that it, we started it a year ago, it doubled in size this last year, and uh, we have 30 full-time students who are getting a fully accredited, it's just like going to Akron University, fully accredited liberal arts degree from Moody Bible Institute. Here's the deal. You can do a four-year degree in three years for about $36,000 out the door. It's an incredible value, and that's what we were looking for, because we want to, folks to train to be pastors and workers and missionaries, but the private university education is just through the roof right now, if you know anything about it. So we're looking, how can we beat that financial curve? And working with Moody, we're able to do that and very excited uh, to be a part of that. And I'll tell you a little bit more here in a minute why that's so important that that's happening. In addition to that, our internship program took off. We have 10 full-time interns all around Grace Church. And these guys are pursuing either an undergrad degree or a lot of them are doing their master's degree or going to seminary and they're being trained in ministry, being discipled, active in ministry, and it's back to this kind of this heartbeat to train so that we can send people into the, the, the mission field, the ministry field, and they can be kind of the future leaders of the church globally as well as here locally, and we can be a sending church that invests in those heavily. So we made a decision a couple years ago that we're really gonna build the farm system here at Grace because of kind of our broad vision. And in 2014, we were able to do that in a very, very exciting and powerful way. In addition to that, one of our big prayers is that God would raise up full-time missionaries from the body here at Grace Church. So um, you may or may not know that we have a kind of a unique passion for uh, a country in Central Africa, Africa called Chad. And in the Chad, we are working with Chadian leaders who are planning about 100 churches a year in a predominantly Muslim country. We're seeing the gospel proclaimed like crazy there. A few years ago, we helped to build part of a hospital there, um, to the, the only hospital in the southern part of the country that you can receive a surgery or a blood transfusion at is a hospital that we helped to build. And um, after we were working with the Chadian leadership, we said, what else do you need? How can we work with you? And one of the things they said was, they said, boy, if, if you could have some American missionaries on the ground to help us bridge some things and organize some things, that would be fantastic. And so we came back to the, to the church and said, hey, 
Anybody like want to sell everything they have and move to the poorest country in the world? That sounds fun to anybody. And a couple families said, yeah, that sounds like a blast. And so uh, Craig and Jackie Palmer uh, said, we want in on that. Craig and Jackie are empty nesters. And they said, we want in. So they sold everything. They had a business. They sold their business. Uh, we raise money through the Big Little uh, Project to finance them uh, getting over to the Chad and staying on the field there. And they last year left for language school. They spent a year in France mastering French. And in just a few weeks here, they're going to hit the, the ground full time in Chad. And the, the dream of them being on the ground there is going to be true here very, very quickly. Uh, right after they raised their hand, another couple, Mitch and Susan Sentek, raised their hand. They're kind of on the, the other side of the spectrum. They don't have kids yet selling their 20s. And they said, we'll go. And so about two weeks ago, we prayed with them and they sold everything they had and they just left for France to begin their language training. So they're going to be about a year behind the Palmers. Uh, but in 2015, kind of by the end of it, we're going to have those two families on the ground full time. And Chad, very excited about that. Very excited about the opportunities that opens up for our ability to minister in the Chad, as well as to kind of uh, be a catalyst for the gospel there as well. And so that all happened in 2014 um, as well. When I look back at the year, just kind of on, in, the, in the chair of the senior pastor, I will, I'll look at the stats and all those kind of things, make sure we're doing well. And what I found is this, is that we're up about, our attendances are up about 10% across the board at Grace Church. All of our campuses are growing and growing aggressively. Uh, all the departments are growing aggressively, children, youth, uh, young adults, biblical community, it's all up about 22% across the board, which is excellent. We had 275 recorded salvations. So 275 people accepted Jesus in just the last 12 months, which is fantastic. And these folks are recorded, being discipled, being plugged in, and growing in their faith. And so when I look at kind of the state of the church, of the Bath Campus, I would say that the state of the church is very strong, it's very exciting and it's very focused on the right kingdom priorities. So I'm gonna go ahead and officially declare that 2014 was a good year, okay? Are you with me there? It's a good year, all God was doing. We're thrilled about that. As we look ahead into uh, 2015 then, I, I think there's unbelievable opportunities that are in front of us all over the place. And there's a, a, a couple challenges that we are going to have to continue to grow in and face. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest challenges I think that we're facing is actually a, parad it's a paradigm shift. So it's not a financial challenge or a building, that kind of thing, but it's a paradigm shift that we need to continue to work on here at the Bath Campus as well as all of our campuses at Grace. And it's this, we need to continue to learn to think in terms of the movement of Grace Church, not just the effectiveness of our individual campus. So when we think about what we're excited about at Grace Church, it, it's gonna have to start to be more and more, more than just the things that we can kind of look at and feel and touch and be a part of. And we're gonna have to continue to get a bigger and bigger view that we're a part of something that is, is functioning on broad levels all across Northeast Ohio and all across the world. And so it, it's, it's fascinating, here in a couple months, you will come to one of four campuses that's at one of five locations and attend one of about 15 services. 
And our effort to spread the gospel means that the work of the church is more than just kind of what's in my peripheral view. So as we shift that way, we're gonna have to start defining our wins that way as well, because on any given year, the attendance or the leadership involvement or the income of one campus might actually dip. So if we send 225 people from Bath out to Medina, what I feel when I walk in the door is gonna change, right? But we're actually achieving our goals and our dreams because we're launching a new campus. Or when we launch the extension, what I feel when I walk in the door is gonna be different than what I used to feel, but it's actually this big win because there's more places available for more people to connect and we're actually growing. It just doesn't feel the way it used to because we're not having to sit in the aisles the way that we used to. So we're gonna have to keep getting that broad view. And it's here at Bath, it's here at Norton, like when the Barberton campus launches, Norton is gonna go through that. They're gonna be like, oh wow, it feels so different, but actually it's because we just hit a grand slam and launched a new campus. And so <clears throat> individually, and as families, kind of having that bigger global view of what's going on and thinking in those terms, working in those terms, investing in those terms, and defining the win more than just, boy, this room feels more full, more full, more full, and looking and saying, wow, the gospel is picking up more and more speed as some go out to launch those in new locations. Now, with that mindset, that is attached to kind of an original core value at Grace Church. I just want to talk about this for a minute. Um, 15 years ago, when we, when we started things here at Grace, if you got out the video and listened to me talk in the very first sermon we ever preached here, you would have heard me say, we are going to be a gospel-centered movement that wants to reach the lost and we want to be a movement of local churches that we never intended to start a singular location. That was never, ever the goal. But the goal was always to be a movement of local churches where we would look into, especially Northeast Ohio, and find places where the gospel was not clear and was not easily accessible and take the church to that community instead of asking that community to always come to a singular location. So what we're doing is nothing new. It's actually the original plan. It's just happening on an expedited level. We, we call that whole thing, we call it 30 and 30. And some of you have heard this idea, some of you it's, it's gonna be brand new, but I'm gonna start introducing this in a bigger and bigger way to us. 30 and 30, and the idea of 30 and 30 is that over the next 30 years, it's down to 28 years now, but so over the next, in a 30 year window, our goal is to start 30 campuses or 30 locations. And the way campuses work here at Grace, it's not Jeff on video, although that would be pleasing to the eye and the ear once you get used to it, right? But it's that campus has a pastor, that campus has elders, that campus has leadership. We just centralize the administration, kind of take the red tape off of everybody, right? But reaching in and getting roots in those communities. So think of the Norton campus, think of the Medina campus, and the campuses we're gonna start. We wanna do that over 30 years. Now there's a reason why. There are two ways that you can approach church growth, okay? And both ways are legitimate, both are biblical, so we're not against one way and for another way, it's just kind of what God calls us to, what God calls other people to. So one way to approach church growth 
is to grow a singular location bigger, 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 which is fine, okay? A lot of churches do this. Think of a, think of a, a redwood tree or a sequoia tree. You can grow that tree bigger, 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 and it can be healthy and it can be strong, and it's a way that you do it. And when you do that, what, what you need is you need usually a, a centralized leader, so you kind of draw people to one person, and that person might go on the radio or TV or write books, those kind of things. And then you need bigger and bigger auditoriums. So you keep building bigger facilities and getting more land and kind of adding on and growing it bigger, bigger, bigger. And that's one way to reach people. It's one way to approach church growth, and it's, it's a fine way. That's not Grace's way. It's never been our way. What we've said is we don't want to just grow bigger, 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 bigger. We want to go out so instead of, in 30 years, instead of leaving a sequoia tree, a big redwood behind us, what we would like to leave is a forest. And we would like that forest to be filled with different sizes and varieties of fruit-bearing trees. So when we get to the end of our 30-year run, instead of having a, a church of 30,000 people that flows in and out of a building, we would love to have 30 churches with 1,000 people in them. And they're deeply rooted in their community and they're all multiplying. That's kind of their goal is to bear fruit and to start more and more campuses. So we call that 30 and 30. And a lot of our energy and a lot of our focus is going toward that. In the last couple of years, we felt that, especially here at the Bath Campus, we've started two, well, we will start here, two new campuses in two years, right? And you'll, we'll see friends go to the other campus. We'll see our life groups change around sometimes. Because we would say when we have an abundance, when we have kind of extra people and extra money, we want to invest that in starting new plants instead of just building up more at one location. And so this is going to become more and more a, a, a part of our lives and how we're going to function. Now to that end, here in 2015, we are going to launch the Barberton campus. So very excited about that. Pastor uh, Jeff Martell is going to take the lead on that. Jeff's been up here a couple times. Maybe some of you have got to meet him. And in about the next 30 to 60 days, the Barberton campus is going to start. Uh, we have about 150 people in the launch team that Jeff's been working with for the last few months. Those people are from all of the campuses of Grace Church. So the bulk of them are from the Norton campus because it's, gonna, it's kind of the neighbor down there. Chunk of folks here from the Bath campus and then a few folks from the Medina campus as well. And we will launch that campus here in about the next 30 to 60 days. We're working on uh, nailing down uh, some agreements to rent a building to get that going. And then Grace Church will open up kind of full blast in Barberton. And we're very, very excited about that. And that will be kind of the major goal for 2015. So I encourage you guys, any of you who, if you love to pioneer things, if you love big challenges, if you love starting new things, think about being a part of the Barberton campus plant. Now, I had a friend come up to me a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was funny. He came up, he goes, he goes, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm like, you're what? He's like, I'm leaving you. I'm like, you can't leave me. I did your wedding. You said for better or worse. <laughs> We're together forever. And he goes, he, we laughed a little bit. He goes, no, he goes, I'm leaving you. He goes, uh, I'm going to go to the Barberton campus. We feel like we want to be a part of that. So I said, dude, I said, you're not leaving me. What are you talking about? You're not leaving me. I mean, you're going to have to look at Martell. I'm sorry about that. The view is going to be terrible. But I said, this is what I want you to do. And, and he goes, I know, that's why I'm doing it. And we laughed a little bit. But 
Guys, we would see that as a win. You have to understand, like that is a grand slam win for folks to move around and if you live close to Barberton or if you have a unique passion for that community or you have unique roots there and wanna be a part of something new, we would encourage you to go and be a part of that and we would think of that as a grand slam. Now, it's funny, I talked to a family last night and they're like, that campus is gonna be like a fourth of a mile from our house. Do we have to go to it? <laughs> I said, no, you need to, you need to be at home. It's, it, there's no like mega pressure, but there's no mega pressure to stay. We want the movement of grace to happen. And we want you alive and active in your faith and loving the lost and investing in communities. If you wanna do that here, great. If you wanna do that one of the other campuses, awesome also. And we would view that as a win. So we're very excited about that. Lots of planning, lots of dreaming, uh, lots of folks investing. And we're excited that the campus is gonna launch here in, uh, in just a couple of weeks, all right? In addition to that, uh, we, we have um, uh, other things that are going on that I wanna tell you here in a minute how to be a part of and get connected to um, because whenever we launch campuses and whenever we push out, it alters the dynamic of kind of home base here. And I wanna talk to you about that for a minute. Our, our word for the year here at the Bath Campus is gonna be ownership, ownership. That if we're, if we're going to be sending missionaries across the world and we're gonna be launching new campuses, we're gonna be reaching folks, the only way for us to do that in a sustained manner is for you to own that vision personally and to invest in that vision personally. Let me, uh, let me ask you a question. What happens when people leave the Bath Campus and go start other campuses. Whenever people do that, it creates a vacuum, right? So what, what kind of person would go, uproot their family and go, go try to start a new campus or a new work? What kind of people would sell everything and move to Africa, right? Well, those folks are probably volunteering somewhere in the church. They're probably in some level of leadership they're probably giving financially. They're probably highly invested in what we're doing, right? And that's part of why that vision would appeal to them. So when 200 of them pull up and go to another community and leave, what's left here? A vacuum of about 200 people, 200 volunteers, 200 leaders, 200 people that need to engage financially, right? And we would say, that's awesome, but we have to deal, we would view that as a grand slam, that's what we want to happen, but it also creates a reality that we have to address uh, in a realistic way. So we need you to have ownership. If you are newer to grace, or if you, have, if you kind of need to re-engage a little bit, whenever I say we need ownership, like we need volunteers, we need leaders, we need people to connect financially, when I say that up here, this is what happens. 90% of the people who hear that are like, man, they really need some people to do that. Let's go to Rockneys, right? I mean, that's kind of where it lands. When I say this, I am talking to you, right? If you think I'm looking at you right now, I am. I'm talking to you. Like, you must own that personally. You must look and say, 
This is my church and I need to be involved that way. If you're not volunteering, you need to volunteer. If you're not aspiring to leadership, which the Bible says is a great thing to do, you need to aspire to leadership. If you're not tied in financially, you need to tie in financially. And the vision and the work of grace has to be something that you think of as your own and you own it as a normal part of your life. Now to help with that, we've tried to create a couple ways to kind of make those steps into ownership easier. So there's, there's two main things that we have right in front of you that you can jump into, and they're both in your program. One is this connect event, the connect event. So if you look at your program, if you got it, you'll see the connect event, which is next weekend, next weekend. And if you are not in a connect group, if you're not in a life group, if you used to be, but you're not right now, if you are, if life groups like too much, you're like, I don't know if I want to show up in somebody's living room forever, then try in a connect event, join a basketball team, whatever, right? But tie it, take advantage of this event next weekend and take a step out of the auditorium and into kind of the full life of the church a little bit, okay? And own that because over the last two years, three, 400 people have gone as our new campuses, and a bunch of folks, when we started the extension, that almost doubles the needs, especially on the weekend services. So we, you have to own that, right? And you need to connect on those levels. If you're very new to Grace, we have something new that we're opening up here next month called the discovery group process, okay? So if you're older to Grace, you'll recognize words like 101, Grace intro, we have reinvented that whole thing. I'm actually very excited about this and very uh, involved with it. Very, very excited about what we're doing with it. But we reinvented the whole process to make it easier to connect to. We're just trying to lower the step a little bit. And we created what we call the discovery group process. And if you look at the next window in your program, discovery groups, the first round of them start February 8th. February 8th. And if you have never gone to 101 or not gone to Grace Intro or it's been like decades since you've done that and you kind of need to reconnect a little bit, take advantage of that. Lock into that process. By the time you're done with that, you will feel connected to Grace. I'm confident of it. You will know what's going on. Nothing will seem overwhelming anymore. And you'll understand fully how you can kind of grab your piece of ownership and be on the team in a meaningful way. So I encourage you to do that. And guys, we need that to happen. We need that to happen. Or, or we'll, we'll burn ourselves out planning campuses. See, If we take all the committed people and send them to start new things and nobody commits again, then we'll run out of gas real, real quick. So to pursue this 30 and 30 vision, if we want to take the gospel and launch new locations so that people can easily access Christ, then this is the kind of mindset it's gonna take for that to happen, uh, especially on a repeating level, okay? So take that and be a part of it and think ter in terms of that ownership and use those two events to, to lock into. When I, um, when I come to times like this, Heidi and I and the kids went on a little vacation this last week. We were down in Southern Florida. It was sunny, it was 85. We were boating on the Gulf of Mexico, but we came home. And uh, 
But I, it, it was nice to get away a little bit and rest some and think. And I like to take this time of year, like a lot of us do, I get pretty introspective. So I like to spend a lot of time with the Lord and I like to evaluate the, the, the worth of my life investments. Okay, so I'm, I, I bet you my life is like your life and that we're pulled a thousand different directions. And I wanna make sure that the direction that I choose to invest myself is a value. And it's hard to do. We, we live in a culture now in which the cultural voices have a unique ability to get in front of us. Now, while we were down there, I got off Facebook. Like I, I, did, I told Heidi, I gotta get away from this for a little bit. And so I just deleted all my apps and stuff until the Buckeyes won and then I brought them all back up and said stuff. But, but like I, I just, I, I said, I can't take the noise. And she said, what, what are you talking about? I said, I can't, everybody's telling me that everything they're involved with is the most important thing in life. So there, there are thousands of people wanting my time, attention, and affection. There are thousands of causes wanting my time, attention, and affection. And like, I literally can't tell, I'm aggravated at everybody. I, gotta, I just gotta get away from it. And that's our culture right now, that's what we live in. We, we have thousands, tens of, millions of, of people and things that are saying, I am important, pay attention to me, invest in me. And my greatest fear personally is one I also have for, for you is that what tends to happen in our lives is because all these voices are loud and all are saying we should do this. If you don't do this, your kids are gonna like go off the deep end. You better do this or you're gonna have a heart attack. You better do, all these voices are loud. What we tend to do is we tend to give a little bit of attention to everything. And so we spread our affections and our attention and our finances kind of thinly, it's like a thin layer across everything. The danger of that, the danger of that is when I spread myself as a thin layer across everything, I affect nothing. So when, 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 when some organization jumps up and says, right now, text $5 to save the, the trees that whales eat, you know, kind of thing, do that, and I do that, and then do this, and then do that. What happens is I, all this, I affect none of it. So they got my five bucks, but they don't actually care about me. I'm not actually affecting what they're doing. I just kind of responded to their scream. It's the same thing. Facebook is the classic example of it, where I have these hundreds and hundreds of friends, but I have no relationships. So I know a little bit what's going on with everybody's life, but the last time I sat down and had a cup of coffee and I had a deep, meaningful relationship with somebody I actually loved, like I can't even remember when I did that, but I'm on these relationships all the time. They just don't mean anything. And the danger of that is when I get to the end of my life and I die, my life isn't gonna add up to anything. It's like, it's like a celebrity's life. You ever notice that? When, when a celebrity dies and you see it on Facebook or on the news, what do you do? Like so-and-so just died. You go, huh, uh, did you know such-and-such such just died? Really? Well. That's it. Because that, it just spread thin. I notice it. I just don't care. In fact, I don't even really remember who died. Who, oh, they're still living? I didn't even know. I thought they were dead. Right? That's how we respond to it. When we invest our lives deeply, 
we actually alter people's lives, we actually make a difference, and our impact goes from being thin and broad to deep and eternal. I wanna show you this real quick in the Bible. The classic guy, the guy that had the most followers on Twitter and the guy that had the most friends on Facebook and the guy that was the social media giant in the Bible was King Solomon. He was huge. He was the wealthiest guy on the planet, the most powerful guy on the planet, the most, the, the, the most famous guy on the planet. He had women, he had money, he had fame, he had power. Every worldly appetite that could be fed, Solomon was obese from. He literally had more than he could digest in a lifetime. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a book that he wrote in which he's evaluating all the things that he did in his life. And as he goes through and he evaluates all the things he did in his life, it's actually, this is a great time of year to read the book of Ecclesiastes because it's depressing and it's sobering. And it's a huge reminder of how life actually works. Because basically, Solomon says, yeah, I had all these women, it was, it was meaningless. I had all this money, it was meaningless. How was famous, it was meaningless. I, I, I invested in myself, it was meaningless. I had everything that I could accomplish or ever want, it was all meaningless. And at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he writes this as he's evaluating all the earthly appetites and relationships that he could consume. And he says this in verse 13, now here, now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Here's the bottom line of life. A life in which all these things were lived and I was spread as thin as I could possibly be spread. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Life boils down to this. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Solomon says, this is the duty of mankind, or the way that we would probably say it is, this is the purpose, or the reason, or this is why I exist. This is the purpose of man, or the duty of mankind, and it's to do what? To fear God, and to keep his commandments. Jesus was asked a similar question in the New Testament. Somebody came up to him, and he said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Boil life down for me. And Jesus says, okay, this is how you boil life down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what life boils down to. It's the duty of mankind. It's the purpose of mankind to be in deep, meaningful relationship with Christ and in deep, meaningful relationships with the people that Christ loves. And then the sobering part is verse 14 where Solomon says, by the way, this is how your life's work will be evaluated by God. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including the hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. When I die, I will stand before God. The Bible is very clear. I will do that. I will give an account for everything I ever did in my life, period. Every thought I ever thought, every motive I ever had, every action I ever took, everything in my life will be made public and I will stand before God and give an account for it. And Solomon's reminding us of that. And he says, the standard in which I will be, my deeds will be weighed is not, was I a good boy or bad boy? Was I a good girl or bad girl? 
How, was I religious enough? Did I get my act together enough? No, no, no. The standard is, did I fear God and keep his commands? How, in, in all of my life's work, did I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Was that the driving passion of my life? And did I love people? Did I give my life to the people around me? Did I love them, love them in Christ, to Christ, and for Christ? That will be the, the weight of my life's work. In every deed, the evil ones are easy, right? All the immorality and all the porn and all the material, judge. Like we, it's an easier one, especially for those of us who would get up and come to church. We can get a hold of that, like that's bad. But also the good, the good will be judged. How come? Because I can settle for good in lieu of striving for the eternal. I can be a good friend in lieu of being a great father. I can be a responsible business man or woman, build my career, I can be a really good employee in lieu of being a terrific husband. I can be a quality member of the community in lieu of being a focused citizen of heaven. The good will also be judged. Judged against what? Not necessarily against whether it was sinful or not, but whether it was eternal or not. I can live a good life, lightly invested in all kinds of good causes and fail to create treasure for myself in heaven. I can live a balanced life where I make sure that I'm healthy and that I have time and I have focus and I have health and I have wealth in lieu of living a life that's abandoned, dead to myself as the scripture says, sold out for the cause of Christ. I can be a moral person and not be a person who invests, invests in things that are eternally valuable. Because there's lots of moral people that don't love Jesus, right? It's completely possible. Solomon boils it down, he says, listen, there's kind of like one thing that's gonna stick out at the end of time. The depth of my relationship with Christ is how we might say it, that results in the depth of my relationship with people. And am I investing my life in those things? And I, I pause this time, I do this several times a year to be honest with you, but because I'm so busy, so demanded upon everybody, and I have to stop saying, now wait a minute, what am I actually giving myself to and how do I actually position myself? I ask myself questions like this, these are my questions that I asked myself this last week. Is my life proclaiming the gospel? Anybody going to heaven because I existed on the planet this year? If, that is, if proclaiming the gospel is the work of Christ and the work of Christ is done by his church and I am the church because I'm a follower of Jesus, did I do the work of Christ? This question, does my family reflect the portrait of Christ in this church? Is my family being discipled? My I don't care if my kids play sports. They can if they want. Some do, some don't. I don't care if they get good grades. Don't tell their mother, but I don't care, right, if they get good grades. I really don't care that much. 
I care that they love Christ. And if they're loving Jesus and they're responding to Jesus, then all of these things will care for themselves appropriately. See, they love Christ, they're passionate for Christ, their behavior will align itself. So I'm asking, do my, do my children love Jesus more? Does my wife, does Heidi and I, are, do we love Christ more? Are we more invested in the work of Christ than we've been before? Whether it's in an organized way, like things here at church, or whether it's something as simple as caring if our neighbors go to heaven or hell. Does my family reflect the portrait of Christ in the church? Is my work done to the glory of Christ? I, I'm the pastor, I have to ask that question. Because there's a lot of kudos that come from standing in a spotlight for a living. Am I doing things for the glory of Jesus, not the benefit of Jeff, right? Is my money advancing the work of the kingdom? My money can advance all kinds of things. My money can pay for all, but is it advancing the work of the kingdom? That's the only place that I get an eternal return on my money. Is that happening? Is the cause of Christ, the church, my life's work? Does my family, do they, do they view the church as an obligation or do they view it as an opportunity? When we're locked down for all those Christmas Eve services, right? Are they bitter about that? Or are they excited to proclaim the gospel of Jesus? How have I led them in their involvement of the spiritual entity called the church of Jesus? I want to I evaluate myself on that. And then I evaluate our church on that level. When I say I believe that, that grace is healthy and energized and focused on kingdom priorities, I'm not looking at the bank accounts, which drives the poor financial people crazy because I never care how much money is in the bank account. Because I, I just look and say, well, the, the finance, that's, that's the Lord's provision. That's not something I gin up, right? I don't look at the attendance numbers. Jesus is very clear that he'll build his church. That's not my job. That's Jesus' job. I'm looking and saying, are we pursuing the heart of Christ? Are people coming to know Jesus? Are we deepening our relationship with Jesus? Are we deepening our relationships with each other, with our families? With... It, are we focused on the work of the kingdom? That's where I get excited about what God is doing here at Grace. So guys, this is huge, right? It's huge. And this, this is this ownership thing again where I'm looking and saying, if my passionate pursuit of Jesus is not on the top shelf of my priorities, then my, my life is off kilter. And when it's on the top shelf of my priorities, I will love Christ. When I love Christ, I will love people. When I love people, I will be involved in the cause of Christ, which is the church. It all starts with the depth of my relationship with Jesus, and it spills over to all the deeper parts of my life. I was uh, at breakfast the other day with a friend and we were talking, he and his wife and family, he, he and his wife were involved at Grace before they had a family, but they're all tied in here at Grace real strongly and we were catching up, we hadn't sat down for a long time and he, he, uh, he looked at me, he said, Jeff, he goes, he, he, he has some questions, we're talking about the church and he looked at me, he said, have we changed have we changed as a church? He's been here 14 or 15 years probably. And he said, have you changed? Have we changed? And I said, yeah, of course we have. I have absolutely, I'm not the same person I was 15 years ago by a long shot. And I said, neither are you. And, and actually we shouldn't be. So yeah, 
I said, but things change. We change. I change. You change. We didn't have kids 15 years ago. You didn't. I did. But, we, you know, the family changed. You, you have a bigger job than you used to. I have a bigger job than I used to. We have bigger families than we used to have, right? And, and the kids change, and so we shift that way. Uh, you live in a different house. I live in a different house. You drive a different car. I drive a different car. I got fat. You went bald. We're different. You know, we're different than we used to be. And he says, has, has grace changed? I said, sure it has. Absolutely, because grace is made up of all of us. So as we connect to each other, it alters who we are. So sure it has changed. I said, I think there's a different question that you're asking me, though. I said, I think you're asking me, is our heartbeat the same? He agreed. And I said, I said let me ask you this question. Can you think of one thing today that we invest ourselves in that is not directly related to what we said we wanted to invest ourselves in 15 years ago? I'm not talking about the way we do it or where we do it talking about the passion. Can you think of one thing? And he said, no, I can't. I said, I agree. Things change, relationships change, that's inevitable, but what we're focused on does not change and has not changed. I wrote it down this way. I said, the mission of grace has not altered one bit, period. Pull the video, first sermon ever. We're going to reach the lost, and we're going to be a movement of local churches. It's what we must do. Hasn't shifted one bit. The vision of grace has never faltered. Never. We, we've never tried to do something besides that. Now, we've tried to do that in ways that don't work, right? So we're going to try stuff. Sometimes we're going to look like idiots, Right? I am. You get off the hook for it. But we're going to look like it. Sometimes we're going to look like geniuses. So we're, and that's always going to be, we're always going to try stuff. Some of it's going to work. Some of it's not. That's not a big deal. But what, what we're trying to do never shifted. The passion of grace is stronger than ever. I want to do this more than we've ever wanted to do it. My brother-in-law, we were on the Gulf of Mexico in his boat. It was 85 and sunny on December 29th. And he said, don't you want to come to South Florida and start a campus? <laughs> and Heidi was like, yes. And I was like, um, kind of, but no. I said, I'm, I'm Akron for life, AK for life, right? I mean, I just, I just like, I, I don't know. I love the place. I hate the weather, but I love the place, right? The passion of grace, reach the lost, Take the church to the community. Don't bring the community to the church. And you're, guys, you gave $6 million to do this a couple years ago. You're uprooting. And we're, we're locked in, right? I love it. Stronger than ever. And we're living our dreams. See, any of us that have teenagers sometimes have to remember that we dreamt of having children. See? Any of us that are going through a rocky time in our marriage have to remember how much we wanted to fall in love. Any of us who are overwhelmed by our job a little bit have to remember that we desire that promotion. So dreams have price tags, right? But guys, come on. Look what we talk. 
we're, we're, we raise money to buy another building and launch the extension because we don't have enough seats. Come on. We raise money because families are like, if you can help me financially, I'll sell everything and go to the mission field. Who does that? See, the, the, these are our dreams. The Barberton campus is just, it's going to be one year Advil, buy stock in Advil, because I'll be buying it by the case, right? It's so hard, but it's what we, we've been wanting to go to Barberton for a decade. So our challenge is, is us working on our, we're not working against a bunch of problems or dissension or and it taxes relationships. Sometimes we get a little tired. Sometimes we have to stop and remember that we all love you. But look at what we get to do. And I told my, I said, I, I, my friend, I said, you agree? He said, I, he said Jeff, I totally agree. He, he goes, I just needed to talk to you about that. <laughs> I said, I'm glad you did. Do you know why my friend was asking those questions? Why that was so important to him? It's not because he wasn't thinking about leaving the church. You know why that was so important to him? Because he owns it so deeply. Countless hours of his life was invested in the work of the church. Countless dollars off, the, off of his back that he is invested in the work of the, his family, his children, right? I remember 13 years ago, he and his wife passed on a major promotion to a warm weather climate. <laughs> The only because they believed in what God was doing at Grace. He owns it so deeply. And he wants to be a part of it so much because he would look at his life's work and say the building of the kingdom through the work of the local church, which is God's plan, is how I'm going to define a win for my life. So do you, and will you, own it? And when you think about God kind of evaluating your life, is your love for Christ growing? Is your love for people growing? And is that expressed to the local church, the cause and the passion of Jesus? All right, I wanna pray for us. The bands will come out and uh, Spend some time praying and thinking on your own as they lead us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for giving to us your blessings to us. Thank you, God, for the lives that you change, the marriages that you rebuild, the children that you bring back to yourself, the years that you restore. Your goodness is overwhelming and your mercy is beyond description. We're grateful. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of this, God when we stop and think about the richest part of our lives, it's always when we've given ourselves away. That's the part of our life that we love. And so God, help us to prioritize that and to do this more and more. Lead us in these ways, Jesus, in your name. Amen.